welcome to the Door of Life Church podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org. Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. God, well, it's good to just sense the sweet, still presence of the Lord. It's just really a, sometimes you feel the presence, that Psalm 23 presence, the green pastures and still waters, and I just sense that, that presence, that just that be still and know that I'm God. He's doing stuff on the inside of us and strengthening us, and I'm excited too because I feel like we're, we're preparing the way for where we're going to go this morning in the Word of God, and we're going to go ahead and start out with a passage in Scripture this is the Apostle Paul, and we see that he's in kind of a quandary here, and you'll see what I've highlighted in yellow. You might see a, a continuity of thought as we're going along here, but this is Romans chapter 7, and the Apostle Paul says this. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it's good, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that, is, that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Oh, this is such a... An amazing passage of Scripture. We've gone over it a few different ways from a few different angles here at Door of Life, but um, I've just really, I've just really sensed something in my spirit, just a fresh perspective on some things that I think is going to kind of help us in this area, in this walk, this battle that the Apostle Paul describes. You'll notice what he keeps repeating over and over. I will, I will not to do. To will is present with me. I will to do, I will not to do. You see that he's trying to live right for God. He's trying to do the right thing. He knows what is right, but he can't seem to do it. He finds that evil is present with him when he wills to do good. In other words, he's trying to live for God by his own willpower. I will, I will, I want to do the right thing. I've got will, I need willpower. It's over and over and over. His will, his will. I'm trying to live for God on the strength of my will, but the strength of my will collides with something. It collides with the law, a law that evil is present with me. Now he goes on to give this law a very specific name. He says, the warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. This evil that is present with him, this evil law has a name. It's the law of sin and death is what it's called. That law is present with him. In other words, it's willpower versus the law of sin and death, and I lose every time. My willpower can't defeat the law of sin and death. He is so frustrated. I will try. I know what's right. I know how to do what's right. I can see what's right, but how to do it, I can't do it. I know enough to have good theology, but how to live that theology, I just don't know how to do it. It's willpower versus the law of sin and death, and the willpower is losing every time. He's frustrated. So then he kind of comes to the end of himself, and he just switches the topic instead of from I will, I will, I will to who will. Deliver me from this body of death. He has to come to a conclusion at some point in his walk. He's got to go from I will to 
who will. There is a surrender of the I will versus the law of sin and death to who will help me, who will deliver me. I need help here. I got great theology, but it's just not working out in real life. My willpower can't do what's right. So he asks this question, who will deliver me from this body of death? I've went the I will route, it doesn't work. Who will? Then he goes on to answer his own question. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. That law of sin and death is the thing that was, he was bringing into captivity, the law of sin and death, which is in his members. His willpower couldn't beat that law of sin and death, but he found something. Who's going to help me? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus that's greater than the law of sin and death. In other words, willpower versus the law of sin and death, I lose. But the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus versus the law of sin and death, I win. He got the answer to his question. And what did he say? You don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's something when you walk according to the spirit, this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it makes you free from the law of sin and death. So this morning, we're going to begin a series. This is going to be a four-part series on walking in the Spirit. And I'm really excited about this. These are different little pieces and aspects and things that we've taken and isolated in certain pieces, but we're going to kind of put this all together. We're going to kind of go under the hood on this idea of walking in the Spirit. When you kind of hear that phrase, it might sound a little mystical, but that's what we're going to do over the next four weeks here. We're going to demystify this idea of walking in the Spirit. we got to demystify it because the whole key to living for God comes through our understanding of what it means to walk in the Spirit, what it means to tap in to that law of the Spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus because we so subtly can start in that Spirit and then get back over into willpower and be frustrated and lose and condemned and beat up and pretty soon, why am I not victorious? Because, oh yeah, I'm back to willpower again. I'm back to willpower versus that thing, and I'm losing. But how do I detect that in myself, in my own walk with the Lord, and get back in the Spirit? So this morning, we're going to look at walking in the Spirit, willpower versus spirit power. This is not going to be so much a practical message on how to walk in the Spirit. We're going to be looking at that in the next three weeks, the how-to's concrete ways that you can walk in the Spirit and know you're walking in the Spirit and know when you're not walking in the Spirit and just have that clear understanding. But before we can do that, we just want to understand why. What's the promise of walking in the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit is the difference between walking in the power of God or walking back over into willpower again, all right? So as we're looking at this morning, walking in the Spirit, we're going to kind of take that on. We're going to look at, you know, the difference between willpower and spirit power. Now, you see that little picture here? It's Jesus walking on the water. Walking on the water is not something that you, we can obviously naturally do. No matter, and I'm not, you know, this is talking water, liquid water, not ice, real, real water here. But um, no matter how much I might will, I really want to walk on the water. You don't understand. I really want to. I'm still going to sink. I can't. My willpower does not have the ability to sustain me on top of that water. No matter how strong my will is, no matter how much I believe in the power of my will, it still will not support me on that water. I need a power that's higher than me. If I'm serious about walking on that water, I'm going to have to say, who will help me to walk on this water? Because I can't. And that's what Paul is saying is true when it comes to your trying to walk on the water of the law of sin and death. You will sink. I don't care how strong your will is or how strong you think it is. You will sink. 
You can't walk on that water. You cannot walk on the water of the law of sin and death without a supernatural power to sustain you. What happens like when, Paul, when Peter started to walk on the water and that's supernatural, and then all of a sudden he got off his eyes off Jesus, he got off the law of the spirit of life, and he began to see the waves, he began to think natural, he got back to his own natural will, power. he sank. And he said, save me, save me. And Jesus saved him, he delivered him. But you can tell, and this is what I want this message to do. I want there to be a self-awareness of when I'm walking in my own willpower and when I'm yielded to that spiritual power of walking in the spirit of God. Because if I don't understand the difference and I'm just over in willpower and I can't do it and I can't do it and I'm just condemned and I'm condemned and I can't do it and I tried and I'm condemned. I love what is sandwiched in between Paul's heart cry. He said, God, who's going to deliver me from this, from this body of death? And then he comes over here and says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. But in the between of that, there's something he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is where I'm believing there's going to be some growth. We're going to get some traction in our walk with the Lord. So when I'm over here in willpower failing, instead of just beating myself up, yeah, yep, yep, I guess I just can't get the victory over this one. Well, we got to say, no, I'm just under my own willpower again. I'm right. I'm in the same dilemma Paul was in. I can't beat this thing on my own. I'm going to, be, I'm going to recognize it, and I'm going to get back over here and say, there's no condemnation i got to just get back over into that spirit power again. So we're going to look at this morning, that's kind of the gist of where we're going with it, but I really want to break it down to understand why this works the way it does. Because we're going to walk on water. If you're going to have victory over the flesh, you got to, you got to know how to walk on the water. Walk on the water of that law of the spirit of uh, sin and death with the power of the spirit of God. So Understanding willpower versus spirit power. The first thing is we're going to look at the problem with willpower, all right? Willpower, as you can see in Paul's discourse, willpower has phenomenal intentions. Willpower really wants to do the right thing. There's a lot of good things about it. That's why we can kind of get confused and beat up and condemned because we believe that our willpower just represents our power. And in a sense, it does just represent our power and our ability. But this is what the scripture says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, okay? The law could not make us live victoriously. In other words, the law was the set of do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. It's finger-wagging. It's condemnation. If, you're, if you miss it, you're condemned. And you got to be perfect in your own self to be able to fulfill the law. That was the object of the law. Uh, Passion puts it this way, for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. In other words, the, the law is trying to make us right before God, but we keep failing. Yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness clothed with humanity, God's Son gave His body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. This is so important, and this is why, you know, understanding the failure, the limitation, the problem with, free, with, with just willpower is that it's weak through the flesh. Willpower could not make anybody righteous. This is why the law could not make anybody righteous. Nobody had the willpower to successfully obey the law. Nobody had the willpower to do the right thing. Everybody under the law failed because willpower wasn't sufficient. All right? We had a sin problem. So when Jesus Christ came and he died on that cross for our sins, we understand that when he died on that cross, it produced a blood that forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We get that. We say, Lord, I receive forgiveness, cleansing. That blood has the power to cleanse a conscience from dead works so that I can serve the living God. In other words, the blood part of our redemption removed sin. It removed the penalty of sin. It removed the stain off my conscience 
so that I could worship and love and serve God again. That's the penalty of sin that the blood took care of. But what we realize also, that Paul realized also, is that the sacrifice, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't just for that blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins, but the resurrection of Christ also unleashed something that we also didn't have in the Old Covenant. We now have the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that makes us free from the law of sin and death. In other words, we've got a spirit power to live right that they didn't have back under the law. And so a lot of times what happens with classic Christianity, unfortunately, is, okay, I know I'm forgiven, and I'm just forgiven, but I got no power, and I can't live right. You know? That's kind of what we got. We're trying to live right. We're trying to do good. And we're trying to, and we can get into all kind of the religious stuff, but there is a conclusion. There's two universal conclusions you have to come to about sin. You don't have the ability to save yourself. You need help. Number two, you don't have the ability to live right. You need help. We need to come to both of those. If you just come to the first conclusion, you'll get into the kingdom. You'll be saved by grace through faith. But as far as living right in there, you're going to be trying to do it on your own willpower. You're going to be frustrated. We all experience this on some levels or degrees. But when we come to that second conclusion, I can't live right without the Spirit of God. I could know what's right and I could will to want to live right, but the power to perform isn't there. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. I'm going to kind of put this together a little bit, sandwich a couple of scriptures together. This is what Paul said before, for I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I don't find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now that's, this is kind of highfalutin, high level talking of concepts of evil. Now we're going to get a little graphic a little bit more what he's talking about, because he says that is in my flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. That's the sea of the law of sin and death that we, either sink, that we can either walk on top of with the supernatural law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus or that we're going to sink into. And as we begin to look at this list, all these things, they all have that addictive nature. You know, whether it's this passion or addiction or this thing that I want to do or this thing that I want to have or these imaginations of anger and hatred that I can't seem to turn off, it's all the same thing. And this is where we got to understand too, because when we look at this list, a lot of times we think, nah, that's my thing. That's my sin. That's just my little deal. That's this person. That's this relationship. That's just this thing. If that wouldn't have happened there, then I wouldn't be. We all have our stories. We all have our scenarios. We look at that list and we can all see the backstory and the context for why we deal with some of this stuff. But the thing, and this is where we kind of miss it sometimes, we think it's about this issue or this problem or just that you know, work of the flesh. But what's, what's at work behind that whole list is a law of the spirit of life, or the, the law of sin and death that's, that's bringing you into captivity. So as I think, oh, I just got this hatred issue. Well, you might have a hatred issue about somebody. But behind that little issue with that person, there's a spiritual law. So it's not like, I got to stop doing that. I got to stop doing that. No, you got to get free from the law behind it. Understand? There is spiritual law. And that's where the Apostle Paul, he talks kind of high level, and then he'll get in the weeds about what he's talking about specifically. But when you're thinking about some of these things, realize it's just not the little weights and sins that beset me. It's not just the little things that are getting me off. But behind this stuff, there is spiritual things. There is law that's trying to take you out that's, that's bigger than what you can do. In other words, you've got to come to that same conclusion when you got saved. I can't do this. I need help. And when you're looking at that laundry list of the works of the flesh, it's like, I can't do this. I need help. I need the power of God. I need God's help, power to, to walk on top of the stuff, to live on top of it, to overcome it, overcome it. In other words, my willpower isn't sufficient. And this is what religion is. Religion is basically the attempt of willpower to live right. 
And there's a bunch of little kingdoms of condemnation. And the people who look like they're living right really aren't living right either. They're just covering it up with other stuff. You know, when you look at this laundry list of the flesh, it kind of looks, you, you, I think of it like that little, um, the little arcade, well, the kind of game that they used to have, the alligator head game where you'd bop down the heads. you try to get them all down. You know, and this head pops down, and then another head pops up, and it's like that. That's kind of the way it is with the works of the flesh, too. You're trying to stay on top of this stuff, but something's always popping up. Something's always getting up, and it's just impossible to keep all this stuff down in the natural, in your own willpower, in your own strength. So there's a, what we call a paradigm shift, just a, a, a fresh way of looking at the same old problem. And that's my heart for this morning to get this fresh new look that this willpower, you know, I can't do it. I got good intentions. And here, here's kind of a, a, an example I like to use when it comes to, to this issue. Um, it's a story we're familiar with about Peter. Remember Peter before Jesus went to the cross? He said, you know, even if all are made to stumble, Jesus, I will not be. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. See, here's, here is the good intentions of willpower. I will, and you know, again, this is kind of more of an allegory. Now, the, you know, Peter's talking about dying physically, you know, to be, you know, to be with Jesus and to stand up for him. But there are things in our life in this laundry list of the flesh that we've brought to the Lord and said, I'm going to die to this. I will never do this again, Lord. And before the rooster crows twice, you've done it three times. That's the nature of the flesh. That's the failure of willpower. And I feel condemned, and I feel beat up, and I feel ashamed because I told the Lord. And what happened with Peter that night? It says, then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, this is people that were around Peter saying, surely this fellow Peter also was with him, Jesus, for he's a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Here again, willpower has good intentions. I want to do the right thing, but there's a pressure that comes against willpower. It's like a tug of war, all right? You got the tug of willpower and you got the tug of the law of sin and death. And when you're just on the other end of the rope with just your willpower, you're going to get run over. Willpower cannot defeat the law of sin and death. This is just as much a part of your redemption from sin as the forgiveness of sin. Not just the penalty of sin issue, but the power of sin issue. We got to see it in the same surrender light. We got to come to that same surrender conclusion that Paul came to when he went from, I will not, I will, to who will? Who will deliver me? I don't just need a blood to cleanse me. I need the power of God to deliver me from the law of sin and death. Willpower just isn't cutting it. That's the problem with willpower. It couldn't work under the law, and it can't work for a Christian. Willpower cannot work for a Christian. Listen to this. Apart from the law of the spirit of life, your willpower can't make you free from the law of sin and death. Even though you know what the law of sin and death is, even though you could expound it in the Bible, you can see it, you understand it, you can be familiar with it, that still will not make you free. Good theology and willpower will not make you free. And again, this can be, oh, the subtle deception. I'm just talking about me growing up spiritually. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. You can be born again and get a bunch of knowledge and think that I got this knowledge, now I'm going to be free. You need the power of God to be free. The will, your willpower plus knowledge doesn't make you free. You need spirit power. The spirit is real. It's not a concept. The life of the spirit is what makes you free from the law of sin and death. And this is where 
things begin to change spiritually. This is where God gets real in your life in a way where it isn't just theology on a page, but you experience the power of that theology in your own life. And you begin to experience the ability to walk on that law of sin and death. This is the problem with willpower. It has great intentions. It has great intentions to die. But when the pressure gets on, it's not strong enough. Human willpower isn't strong enough. So, that's the problem with willpower. But, on the other side, we're going to look at the promise of the Spirit. There is a promise of the Spirit that answers the problem of willpower. And that's, again, this is kind of going back to that original scriptures that the Apostle Paul was saying, I will, I will not, I will, I will, I will, I will. Ah, who's going to deliver me? My will isn't doing it. My will isn't cutting it. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a promise of the Spirit. In other words, he's not stuck in that dilemma. There is an answer to that dilemma. He can live in this earth as a human being in human mortal flesh, free from the law of sin and death. There's an answer there. And that answer is in the promise of the Spirit. And this is what Galatians says. This is the promise in Galatians. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit... You're not under the law. Now, this is talking about that paradigm. It's not a, a law-oriented walk. It's a spirit-oriented walk. You're thinking different. He's challenging them to come out from under that legalistic, law-based system into a whole new paradigm of the spirit. You're going to be thinking different. When you miss it, you're going to be thinking different. You're going to be thinking there's two systems here. I'm going to stay I'm going to stay in the spirit system. I'm going to stay in the spirit power system. Now, when you look at this passage here, it says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Now, that word lust, we think of many terms in a sexual connotation or you know something evil or bad, but that word lust in of itself is not um, an immoral word. If you look at the Greek word for lust, it simply means strong desire. That's all it means, strong desire. In fact, when Jesus said, right at the Passover, when he had the, 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 the disciples around him, he said, I have greatly desired to have this meal with you guys tonight. Greatly desired. It's the same Greek word for lust. In other words, he didn't, it didn't translate as lust, but it just translated greatly desired. But in the Greek, it's the same word. It just means strong desire. It can be good, it can be bad. All right? But it's important to understand that that strong desire, it works in both directions. The flesh has strong desire against the Spirit. You'll notice this world despises the things of the Spirit, blasphemes, jaded, cynical. It's a strong desire against the things of the Spirit. And the Spirit has strong desire against the flesh. It's not like these guys just don't kind of get along. They really hate each other. The flesh and the spirit, they have strong desire against each other. In fact, there's a godly hatred. The Bible talks about in Romans when it's referring to Jesus. It says, you, talking about Jesus, you have loved righteousness and you have hated iniquity. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. It's a strong desire. Why is that important? Because when I'm in this tug of war and it's the law of sin and death versus my willpower and I keep getting pulled over because I just don't have the strength, I need something that has strong desire against the flesh. I can't do this with willpower, but there's a power that has strong desire. There's a pushback against the law of sin and death that comes from the Spirit. Again, this is a whole different way of thinking. I love the way the Passion puts it this way. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. When you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, 
you will no longer be serving under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The old paradigm of the law is this. Don't do this, I did it, I'm condemned. Don't do this, I did it, I'm condemned. Now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. In other words, oh, I did that. I'm going, wait now. I need, I need the Spirit of God. I need the Spirit life. I'm losing this tug of war. i got to get back into the Spirit again. i got to recognize that I've come under my own willpower. I'm trying to fight this thing in my own strength again. But there's a power. I, this is, you know, when you look at this, but if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. That's a nice, concise way of saying we are to live Spirit-oriented lives. But I love how the Passion puts it. When you're brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. In other words, I'm not playing this old game anymore. I shouldn't have done that. Shame on me. Shame on me. I shouldn't have done that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing the fact that I am trying to do this in my own strength, and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to say, okay, i got to get back to walking in the Spirit again. It's not shame on me, i got to do better next time. No, you're going to do the same thing you did last time, next time. The thing you got to do different is get back in the Spirit. Get back into the Spirit of God. Get back into walking in the Spirit of God. That's where the promise is. That's where the freedom is. Because when you realize that that power, that, um, that pushback, isn't from your own willpower, but it's from the Spirit of God, that's when things change. So when the Spirit of God, you know, the Spirit of God is, where the law of sin and death is tugging against you, you recognize, oh my goodness, I lost this tug of war game again. I'm not under the law, though. I'm not just going to in shame and condemn myself, and maybe I'll win it next time. Nope. I'm going to change who's on the other end of this rope here. I'm going to realize I need the Spirit of God to win this battle. I need, to, I need His strength. I need His power. So when, he's, when the spirit of law of sin and death is pushing, it's not the law of sin and death versus willpower anymore. It's the law of sin and death versus the law of the spirit of life. In the law of the spirit of life, the promise of that spirit is it makes me free from the law of sin and death. That means the push of the law of the spirit of life is greater than the law of sin and death. It's not just like they're equal opposites. They're not equal opposites. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes you free from. In other words, it wins the tug-of-war game. I'm not trying to do it. I'm getting into that power. You know, a lot of times we'll say, coming under the influence. They're under the influence of alcohol. Well, they're acting a certain way. You can see that they're under the influence. Well, you can come under the influence of the Holy Spirit and win that tug-of-war game with your own flesh. Now, we saw Peter refailed. He had these great intentions. But we see another Peter here. Same guy, and he's going to have to stand up for Jesus, all right? Now, Peter got in trouble for getting a lame man healed, so he had to account for it. And he had a kind of a courtroom scene where Peter has to explain what happened and how Jesus fits into the picture. So it says, The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, the other relatives of the high priest. Now, think when Peter missed it. These were just a bunch of kind of no-name, average, ordinary individuals, you know, that he was just cowering in front of. Um, but this is the who's who of Israel. These are the top brass. And so they're all paraded in front of Paul, okay? They brought in the two disciples and demanded, now here's the push, by what power? Think of this intimidating group, you know, before Peter. What power and in whose name have you done this? There's that push. It's coming at him. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, he's under the influence here, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? He kind of throws their question right back at him as a question. What does this Peter say? Does he even know who Jesus is? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. 
What a different Peter. Same guy, right? But this was a Peter who was filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, Peter didn't find, I learned from my past mistake, and now I'm going to get it right, and I'm going to, I'm going to, there's no I here at all. There's no I will, I will, I will, and I finally willed enough times where I got it right. No. I got, he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he came under the influence of that Spirit. And that's what I'm saying here. When you're realizing you're losing the tug-of-war battle, you got to realize, man, I'm under, I got to get under the influence of the Spirit if I'm going to be able to push back, have strong desire against those things, because your natural tendency isn't. Your natural tendency isn't for spiritual things. It's a supernatural tendency that's put on the inside of you when you get born again. But Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was able to push back. So when they you know, asked the question, by what power or in whose name you've done this, he could clearly say, you know, it was the powerful name of Jesus Christ. But why could he do that? Why could he stand up to that weakness? Because he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the promise of the Spirit of God. That's the promise of his power. And so how do we do that? How do we get that filling with the Holy Spirit? How do we get it to where we're coming under that influence? So Romans 8 continues to go on and say, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This is where sometimes the simplicity, you maybe have known this in the world or seen people's visceral reaction toward Christianity in the world. I mean, I just call upon the name of the Lord and I'm saved. It's just so simple. I just believe on Jesus and all my sins are forgiven. It's just... No, salvation, in their mind, salvation is more complicated than that. You got to do things. You got to earn it. You got to work it. You got to get from here to there. You got to strive. And it's just, no, Paul told the Corinthians, don't be deceived from the simplicity that's in the gospel. It is simple. Think about it. If it had to be available for whosoever will, it had to be simple. If it required a certain acumen and a and certain uh, intellectual prowess and a certain IQ, then salvation would be restricted to a small few. It had to be so simple that whosoever will would be able to just call in the name and receive forgiveness, simplicity. And we get that. And so when we maybe relate that we have an assurance of salvation, they go, oh, yeah, right, okay. But we know what we mean. We haven't done anything. It's just that simple. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a simplicity. And our, we've allowed our, the pride of our intelligence to get past that and receive the gift of salvation. Praise God for that. Again, we got another one of those inflection points here when we're losing the tug-of-war game. It has to get really simple. It doesn't have to get complicated. It has to get simple when we're losing. And this is where it is. Here's the simplicity. In the same way, the simplicity of salvation is calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved. The simplicity of putting into life the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is setting your mind on things above. Man, I've read this, I've lived this, I've teach this, I've come all around the block many, many ways in this, and it comes back to the simplicity of this. Setting your mind on things above is how you engage the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. You look at that Romans 10, 9, and 10, it says, you know, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. My mouth had a part to play, okay? I made a confession, but Jesus did the heavy lifting that put power behind that confession, and I got saved. But I did have a part to play, all right? Now, we were talking about willpower, willpower, willpower. I can't defeat the law of sin and death with willpower. I can't walk on that water with willpower, all right? I need something else. I need a greater power. But there is something distinct from willpower, and that's what free will, okay? Don't confuse the two. They both contain will, but they're a different side of will. Willpower is trusting in the power of your will to defeat things. Free will is very different. 
Free will isn't trusting in your will. Free will, willpower represents power. Free will represents choice. You made a free will choice to call upon the name of the Lord. There was no power of yours that saved you. You just made that confession with your mouth unto salvation, which was a free will decision. But the power was accomplished in Christ. There is also a free will decision to set your mind on things above. To set your mind. So is my will involved in winning this tug of war game? Yes, it is. But it's not my willpower that's winning. It's just my free will to tag off. You ever seen tag team wrestling? Well, sometimes you'll have that tag team and that guy's just getting beat up, but his fresh partner's like, just come on, tag me, tag me. He'll tag off and he'll go in and just stomp the guy and just crush him, you know? And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's just saying, tag, tag me here. I'm, I'm just tag, just set your mind, just go that direction. Just go the direction. It's not your willpower. It's just your free will to tag off on his power. It's an important distinction to understand here. You see, to set your mind on those things above. That's all you're doing. You're making that decision to set your mind. It's a decision. It's a free will decision, but the power is going to come from him. Um, here's, here's kind of another admonition along those lines. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Passion says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we all yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned in the place of power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with the heavenly realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. There's a call in this tug-of-war game to set your mind on things above. When you see these lights here today, these lights are not running on somebody's willpower. I'm not with my will making, but I did have to use willpower to, to flip the switch. That, that required, it was a free will decision to flip the switch. The power was minute. But what's powering these lights is the power company. But I did have to make a decision to flip the switch. There you go. <laughs> Somebody flipped it there. Thank you, Emily. Good, good illustration. It didn't take a lot of power. And you know, it's a good illustration because you can switch it off too, can't you? You can switch to the natural realm pretty quick too. It doesn't take a lot. But what you're doing is you're choosing. You got the control of that switch. You know, salvation's a one and done. You're only saved once, right? You just get saved by grace through faith. But then you walk by faith. You live by faith. This switch is in your hand all the time. And it can switch on and switch off. And all I'm saying again is getting a revelation. I'm losing this tug of war. I got to turn the switch back on. Don't take it personal when you're losing the tug of war game. You couldn't win that tug of war game in the first place. You never could. How many times have we lost these tug of war games? I need some power in my corner. I need some power on the other side of that rope pulling. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is greater than the law of sin and death. Man, I mean, my free will, you know, as far as, I mean, my willpower, I'll say, my willpower is roadkill when it comes to the law of sin and death. Nobody's been able to do it. That's why we needed Jesus. But I'll tell you what, that law of sin and death is roadkill to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's not even close. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is stronger, much stronger than the law of sin and death. It puts a pull in your corner. When you think of Peter, that Peter who was just cowering and all of a sudden he stands up here and he's all bold. Let me tell you what. I mean, you experience that. This is very cool. When you, and you have already experienced this in your life. I know you've walked with God. This is stuff we kind of ebb and flow and strong and weak. We can be strong in the Lord. We can be weak in the Lord. So we've experienced some different things. But have you ever had that where, where you're in the spirit and you're just in the spiritual things and something will come at you that usually gets you and your head is going, don't, we usually like that. We usually want to do that. I know I don't have no desire for it. But don't we always say, yeah, I know, but I don't desire it. That's how you know you're in the spirit. That's how you know it's not you, him. The power of his spirit, it has strong desire against that. This is why, again, don't take it personal. 
you naturally don't have strong desire against it in terms of your natural body. Now your new creation has a strong desire against it. The Holy Spirit in you has strong desire against it. But this is where you're setting your mind. The mind is that switch. That mind determines where it's set, determines what you're plugged into. When your mind is set on things on the earth, you're plugged into your body. And your body has strong desire for it. When you set your mind on things above, then you're plugged into the Spirit, and the Spirit doesn't have strong desire for it. If you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In other words, we're thinking it's a different paradigm. When you're feeling weak, when you're feeling beat up, you're, don't think of my, my consecration promises. I need the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I got a car, you know, our car's out there. You know, it kind of works the same way with our car. I've kind of used that illustration. Um, I'm not going to will my way home, you know, in my car. I'm going to turn a key, and it's going to do a bunch of stuff that I don't even know what it's doing but it's going to do it. And I'm going to just drive it home without a bunch of knowledge of how it did what it did. My job was just to turn the key. My job was just to set my mind on things above. That's my job. All right? I don't have to understand all the inner workings of the car to be able to get home today. Not only that, but my car, I just noticed it when I was coming over here. It's, it's right about that, you know, that quarter to eighth of a tank. It's getting close to empty. Now, if I ignore that and I just keep driving my car and I never fill up, no matter how much I will to keep going and will to keep driving, I will end up on the side of the road. I will. Because I can't neglect the gas in my tank and keep driving. My willpower can't substitute for the gas in my tank. At some point, I'm going to have to use that willpower and that free will to go to the gas station and fill up with gas, then my car will keep driving. So I have some maintenance things that I got to do. What was Paul, or Peter, Peter, and this is why I wanted to bring it back to Peter here, it's so powerful, where it says, um, you know, Peter, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he was tanked up. You look at that gauge. We all have a gauge. You can't see it with your eyes. But we have a gauge, a spirit gauge. Are we filled or are we empty? This isn't about whether you're a Christian or not. This is just us believers maintaining that spiritual strength in our own beings, that, that getting filled. Peter was on full when he said what he said. Peter would have never said what he said when he was on empty, if he was on empty right there. He would have never said that. Have you ever done that? Taken some bold stands and the bold declarations, and maybe months or even years later, your tank might be on E, and you look back and say, I can't believe I did that. Whoa. There's things that you will do when you're full of the Holy Spirit that you won't do when you're not full of the Holy Spirit. There is authority, there is a power, there is a strength. And that's the whole point of this, winning this battle, winning this um, tug of war, that we got to get our minds set on things above because that is ultimately where our power is, that's where our strength is. It's going to be in setting our mind on things above. And so, again, this morning, I'm just really wanting to introduce this idea, this concept, this promise this thing, because part of you goes, really? Really? Is that really possible? Yeah, it's really possible. And we've all, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've experienced it on some degrees and some levels. But it was set up as a walk. You know, there's some cool things that the Holy Spirit will do. The Bible says, as the Spirit wills. You might see a supernatural move or a revival or a flow. There's things that will happen supernaturally, spontaneously by the will of the Spirit. There's other Spirit things that are by design, that are process, that are a walk. In other words, I don't have to wonder or wait and see, is, is God going to do it today? No, there's something that I'm going to be doing, working with God today on purpose. In other words, I can on purpose fill up my gas tank, and it will be full. I can on purpose fill up this spirit tank, get filled with the spirit, and I will be filled. And so this series what we're setting up, this is just the promise. I just want to get the idea. I can win this tug-of-war game. I can walk on that water. I can do it. He didn't just provide me the means whereby to get saved and forgiven. He provided me the means whereby I can live powerfully in Christ. He came to redeem us from every lawless deed. There's nothing that has me that wasn't defeated at the cross. And so this morning, it's the groundwork of just that promise, that foundation. Now, over the next three weeks, we're going to go into exactly what it means to walk in the Spirit. 
We're going to demystify walking in the Spirit into some very concrete things. Now, the cool thing of it is, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about is stuff you kind of know on different levels, but it's going to get organized in a way when you begin to see, okay, that's how that fits into this process, into this piece of walking in the Spirit. Because it, you don't have to wonder, if you find yourself losing the tug-of-war game, you can, on purpose, the free will decision, flip that switch and get in the Spirit. And you can't do this in one sermon. It's got to be three sermons, because all three of these are going to be very important pieces, okay? And... I want you to see, what do you mean set your mind on things? How do I say, what does that even mean, set my mind on things? above? sounds kind of high fluting. We're going to get graphically into all these ways. Between 30 and 40 ways, you can set your mind on things above. From what, how, what am I going to do now? We're going to equip you with all these ways, so many ways that you can set your mind on things above. You'll be amazed at just all the possibilities. It's like a table spread of all the ways you can set your... He, just, he made this power available, and he made it delightful. He made it appetizing, okay? So we're going to look at, look at all the different ways that you can set your mind on things above and what you do and how you get in the Spirit. So again, this is a series. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be taking it step by step. And you know, it's like the old adage, you, you got you to learn to crawl, and then you toddle, and then you walk. So don't feel like, oh man, I should be just walking in the fullness... It takes time. There's process to this. There's process to learning how to walk. You know, sometimes you'll catch it right away. Oh, man, I'm losing this battle. I got to get in the Spirit. Sometimes you're over here and you're beat up and you're condemned. And, oh, yeah, there's something about walking in the Spirit, right? Okay, okay, I got to get back over here. There, you, you, you experience this on a lot of different levels, but you begin to grow to where it becomes a little tricky to get you very far before a little bell goes off and says, oh, yeah, I'm running low on gas. I don't have to feel condemned because I'm out of gas and I'm feeling weak. I just got to get full of gas. I could never do it myself, my own strength anyway. There's a very impersonal, God-glorifying, spirit gets the glory credit for my victory in Christ. But there's something that's coming off of me. There's a religious pride thing that's coming off where I'm saying, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under the spirit. Oh yeah, I'm not trying to win any brownie points or contests or make so-and-so think I'm something. That's gone. I'm, this is real. I'm getting in the power of the Spirit. I'm getting filled with the Spirit of God. That's, the, that's what changes here. So walking in the Spirit, this Sunday, willpower versus Spirit power. Next Sunday, we're going to be looking. We're going to be looking at the ways to walk next week. Walking in the Spirit, the ways to walk. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for just, just the introduction of this um, amazing truth, Father God that is just right there, Lord. You not only provided us with that precious blood of Jesus whereby we could be forgiven and cleansed, you've given us the powerful Holy Spirit and a law of the spirit of life that takes hold together with us against these things that we struggle against, that war against us, that we're not alone. We're not orphaned. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray for each one here, Lord, that you will just prepare their hearts in the weeks to come, to begin to see these three steps in getting in the Spirit, these three concrete aspects of how we can walk in the Spirit and know we're in the Spirit. At any point in the tug-of-war game, at any point in the walking on the water game, Lord, we can know and stay there, Father God. I just thank you, Father, for truth, for revelation, and for guidance by your Spirit, Father, in these weeks to come. We commit it to you now, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pray.